Good Monday morning, and here we are for part four of our study on hell. There are other views of the afterlife that we've not looked at yet. The only one we looked at in any length was last week, and that's universalism. And you will find as you we go through these that every one of them has a great amount of scriptures that seem to go along with what they're saying. Once again, that would indicate to us that the Bible does not speak with one voice on the afterlife, or at least in a way that we can understand it. Well, I've seen the books, super thick books, explaining everything about heaven and everything about hell. Sadly, God did not seem to think it was as important as these later theologians did, and therefore he never said, all right, there have been several things said in the scripture, here we're settling it in this scripture. He didn't do that. And I think some mystery is acceptable, but moving on. Um, there are those also who don't believe that hell is an eternal torture pit, but they don't believe that all will eventually be saved or that all will be saved with, with punishment or without punishment. They believe that those that are deserving of punishment will just cease to be. Um, we call these, these views conditional or annihilationist. Um, and both groups have groups, uh, groups of scriptures that seem to back them up. Uh, both groups point out that whatever punishment is, it is not a one-size-fits-all. Way back in part one, we mentioned in Luke chapter 12, verses um, 44-7, is a strange passage where Jesus talks about those the master will punish in the future. Uh, they've done evil in his absence, and therefore they must be punished. Some were entirely purposefully evil and were cut off. That's a pretty final thing. They're cut off from his presence. While others um, will say they were cut in pieces, by the way. Uh, other old manuscripts says that they were cut in pieces, and that's... You know, Ancient potentates did that, but I think cut off is probably metaphorical, not talking about slicing them into bits, but rather shoving them away from his presence, banishing them. Uh, that phrase, by the way, is found in some of the scrolls that the Essenes wrote and gathered at the Dead Sea. Uh, and there it means to cut you away or to push you away from the presence of the ruler, the master, the king. And since every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father, to be separated from the Father is to be separated from every good, sweet, wonderful, kind, pleasant thing. And nobody wants that. That's just a, that's a horrible thing, too terrible to contemplate. However, in Luke 12, Jesus says that some just disobeyed. They weren't evil. They weren't evil incarnate. They just disobeyed. They just didn't do what they were supposed to do or they broke some rules, rather like um, the Book of Common Prayer a very, uh, has in it a phrase which is used very frequently in Anglican Episcopal circles, but it's also worked its way into other circles because it's very valuable. And basically the prayer says, forgive us, Father, for we have done the things we ought not to have done and we have failed to do the things that we ought to have done. I think that applies to all of us. And Luke 12, there was a section of people that weren't evil. They're just like us. Some of those people knew they broke the rules. Some didn't know they broke the rules. And Jesus said they will all be punished, but some with few stripes and some with many. Once again, a lighter punishment, one size doesn't fit all. And 
Yet we never talk really much about that. Jesus was, I think all commenters uh, agree here, commentators agree here. In Luke 12, he's talking about the end of the world. And how do we square that then? If this is what he's talking about with the standard view of total salvation, total joy in heaven, and total pain in the fires of hell. And as I said last week, our attempts to say, well, some people in hell will have more regrets than others. Um, I don't think we're in, when you're in fire that the temperature of the fire is the issue and is what is on your mind. I think it's the pain and pain is pain regardless of pain. So I think about that. I don't, I don't think that some people um, will be in there and say, well, darn it, I could have been baptized and avoided this entire thing. And so their fire is just mildly discomforting for throughout all eternity with no hope of it ever ending. I just, that just makes no sense. It just makes no sense. Dr. Edward Fudge, and I mentioned him in part one, uh, was one of the first to write in the Churches of Christ in the Restoration uh, Movement or the Stone Candle Movement that annihilationism is what scripture teaches, which means that if Jesus doesn't give you eternal life, when you die, you cease to be. When I go back and read all the arguments I used to make about making hell an eternal torture pit, and I used to make those arguments, it astounds me that I missed a very obvious point when the Bible says the smoke of their torment goes up forever and of their torment there is no end, that doesn't necessarily mean that of individuals there is no end. It's the smoke from that place that goes up. And again, smoke are, is particulates that are produced by combustion and in eternity we don't have those things. So everything said about hell is symbolic and metaphoric because it is not physical. It is something else, but that's it. Most of us have been told by preachers that outside of Jerusalem, there's this uh, rubbish pit called Gehenna and that was always on fire and always stinky because of the things in there. And there, there was a place there where the Jewish people had done even human sacrifice, if we are understanding scripture correctly, killing some of their own children to false gods in that area. And there may have been burnings there of the bodies of the children, and therefore Gehenna got a bad rap. But the idea that there was an eternal burning garbage pit outside of Gehenna, no. There's nothing in history, nothing in literature, nothing in scripture to indicate that was true. It was made up. It's made up in the Middle Ages, uh, just like a lot of things were made up in the Middle Ages. Just like John Milton, I know he was a Middle Ages, uh, John Milton's Paradise Lost, Paradise Regained, those books gave Christians uh, their concepts of heaven and hell. So did the paintings of William Blake, which are fascinating, horrifying, and amazing all at the same time. We got uh, Dante, uh, his book of divine com comedy and and basically all of Dante's work gave us more pictures of hell than the scripture ever did. And sadly, they're the ones we go to. 
and we define scripture through them. There was no eternal burning pit named Gehenna. Gehenna was a watchword for that horrible place where bodies were burned when people did horrible things to their families in worship of other gods. So you don't want to be connected with that. That's, that's all he's talking about there. The burning goes on, but what is burned is not. The burning goes on, but what is burned is not. I've heard from many people, Al Maxey, one of my heroes, Greg England, one of my friends, Edward Fudge, another hero, Leroy Garrett, all of them bring up something which weren't, was never really brought up plainly uh, by the ministers of my youth. And by the way, little caveat here. Uh, number one, I think they were all trying to do the will of, the God, of, of God the best they could. So no aspersions being cast. Two, I, um, I might have missed something. Maybe they did say something and I just didn't hear it over the, cat, the crackling of the, of the flames in my, my imagination. That said, eternal life comes only from God. It is a gift that only God can give. If God withholds the gift, you don't have eternal life. You will cease to be, rather like the parrot in the well-known Monty Python sketch. And no, I'm not gonna go further into that. If you know, just look it up on YouTube. It is hilarious, if not entirely free from language issues. How do universalists deal with this annihilationist uh, view? Well, there are a variety of opinions and positions. Please remember when we say universalist, that's rather like saying capitalist or pacifist. There are dozens of ways to be any of these things. And therefore don't assume you know everything about them just because you slapped a label or somebody else slapped a label on them. The main one universalists hold is that eventually those that are put into the fire turn and are redeemed back from back to God. And as we saw last week, there are quite a lot of verses that would indicate that that's true. And we didn't touch 10%, maybe didn't do 5% of the verses that say that. Um, there are others who believe that even the most evil out there will eventually turn. Philippians 2, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. Luke 12 indicates, however, that there may be some that are so horrible, they will be eternally just cut off from God. Of course, some of us then, because we're Western, we think of Western bad guys like Hitler and Stalin, but there were a lot of bad guys in Africa and in the Far East and other places. We just tend to, to view all history as if European history in the West were, is the only history. But there were people who glorified in evil I think of the Lithuanian guards who when given the ability to go after the Jewish women did so. And I will not go further. I will just say, I don't even wanna to go to Lithuania and I'm sure most of the people there are really wonderful people, but I just read too much and it just has horrified me. Um, and I, that's me, that's my problem. Uh, I, I need to get past that and understand history's history. But my point is this, we, we don't know much about Pol Pot. We don't know much about the others because we see history as it affected us. 
Um, others believe that those that are evil or those ignorant of Jesus, the law, or some doctrine important to God will first face punishment and then be offered life uh, if they repent. And those that refuse will be cut off forever. They will cease to exist. You might think, well, who would be punished and then refuse even seeing? They're going to go cease to be or you can bow your knee to Christ and come in. I'm not going to give names, but I have met atheists that that would apply to, I think. Who knows what will happen when they see what they will see. And I could be just dead wrong on this, but I think, I think of some that have been lived their life so arrogant and through God-hating. Most atheists aren't like that. Uh, there are just a few I know of that have just a hate of the God of Scripture that I am... Um, I'm not sure that they wouldn't just out of spite, not understanding they're only spiting themselves, say, well, I understand I still refuse to repent and come in. And they're going to be gone, just gone. They're not going to be burning forever. They'll burn up. Therefore, their punishment is eternal because they're gone. They're not with us. They are nowhere. They cease to exist. Uh, others teach, um, well, I think that's enough. I think that's enough to cover these bases right now. But why is hell eternal if its denizens are not? Good question, but there's an answer. I've had people say, well, if hell is temporary, either they cease to be or they repent, they're refined and they come offered a chance, they come in to see Jesus. Um, then why is there still hell long after the earth? Because we're told hell keeps lasting. I can nitpick on that with the word eternal and hell, but I'm not going to. I will, I will give to you that I think eternity, the way we use the term, that eternity is a reality for hell. But people will say, but, but why? Once all the humans are processed one way or the other, it's because hell wasn't built for humans. Bible never says it was. It was built for the devil and his angels. They are spiritual beings. They don't die. Now, what does that mean to them? What will their existence be? Oh, I'll tell you all about that. As soon as God mentions it, he doesn't. That's not our concern. It's, it's just not our concern. Even though it may be what we wonder about, he didn't tell us. So we have to leave it. We have to let it just be right there. God knows what he's doing. And we gotta, we gotta just got to go with that. I can remember sermons in my childhood that sounded very much like a Chick Publication track looks. If you don't know what Chick Publications are, they're still in existence, by the way. Jack Chick, um, there was an amazing article written on him uh, in Reason Magazine uh, a couple years ago, perhaps. But Jack Chick, uh, look him up in Chick Publications. They would put out these little books, booklets that are about like this. If you're listening on the podcast, it's what? About two inches tall and four inches long or three and a half inches long. And you would, and, and the, um, the drawings were very over the top, emotional, you know, the anger of the evil people and the purity of the righteous and then the torment of those in hell. And Chick wanted these and they, they have been for, I don't know how many decades now, to be left behind to leave them in a restroom. I've, I've found 
I don't know how many different ones in roadside rest and, and gas station bathrooms as I'm traveling. Uh, not as much as I used to, but they're still out there. You'll find them in, in waiting rooms. You'll find them in bus terminals. You're, you, you'll find them all over because that's what they did. And our sermons were like that. The dramatic, all lurid, and frankly, very compelling pictures of horror and pain. That's, that's, what, that's what we were taught. So as a boy, as soon as I was allowed to, I got in the baptistry and was baptized. I don't think that it would be fair to say that I wasn't baptized because I wanted to live with Jesus forever. But it would be fair to say a lot more of the driving force was that I didn't want to go to hell. By the way, I, my baptism was still valid. Your baptism is not made valid or invalid based upon what you know and what you don't know and what you think and don't think, except if you know that Jesus is a Christ and that you're a sinner, let's go. You know, God will take care of the details. He's a good God. He does that. I had no reason to doubt all of those things about hell until I started reading again and I found all those verses we've talked about the last two weeks. Next week, we're going to talk about that word eternal again. We're going to look a little bit more at it. I don't know how much longer this will go, but it won't go forever. It's not eternal, except the way they use the word eternal. Back in scripture, it is. We'll do this till we're done. All right. Have a great week. God bless you.